Okay, I think uh, Mikhail and them are going to sort out the mic, but actually you guys can hear. Um, it's week four of my Britney Spears mic, and I feel like I'm just getting into the groove now. I'm loving it. So, uh, so just, just before I start this afternoon, actually just a couple of words. I'm feeling, a, uh, I would say, a little bit nervous of some of the things that I want to tackle tonight out of God's Word. Uh, but that's not bad if I hide behind the Word of God and not bring Leonard's opinion and not make any stupid marriage jokes, then, then God will come and do His, his work. But just throughout the prayer meeting, there were two prophetic words that came, that came out that I believe is God just saying that He wants to do something through this Word. So I do trust that that is what He will do. And if you were not here last week, I think some new faces are here for the first time this week. I want to say that we are doing a little bit of a series, actually we've been doing a series called Praying Dangerous Prayers, just feeling like there's a need for us to come boldly before God and live dangerous lives as Christians. And then in this series, a couple of weeks ago, I actually felt when putting out some of the things that I felt to preach into, felt that we need to pray and ask God, God, give me a godly marriage. And then all the single people said, yes, I've been praying that for a long time. (laughs) And I say, no, no, not give me a marriage, give me a godly marriage. There's a difference. Uh, the, the emphasis on give me, give me a godly marriage specifically. And so last week I wanted to preach on that. And as I opened up the Word of God and looked at the first marriage in Scripture, which is the most important one in Genesis 2 verse 15 to 25 that we're going to look at again, just felt like there is so much to say about the first marriage between Adam and Eve. And it's God's way for us to understand the intended Uh, the intended effect of a man and a woman coming together for his purposes. And I just realized if I want to do this passage justice, then I'm going to have to take at least three weeks and speak about this. So last week was week number one. That's probably why there's fewer people here today. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, I think some people are a bit canceled after the gathering. I think it was brilliant, Andrew's message. Uh, But this week will be week number two. And I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week and you missed out on last week's sermon, You can go listen online. I can't repeat all of the important things that were said there. So you are sort of coming in halfway into the movie. And so I'm hoping you catch most of what I'm trying to say, but you would have missed out on some of it. And I would encourage you to go listen to it. So just a quick recap of last week. I said for these three weeks, we are preaching through 10 verses in the Bible. It's Genesis uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 15 to 25. And last week specifically, we focused on Genesis uh, 2, verse 15 to 18, which I'm quickly going to read for us. And what we did is we stood still and said, if we want to pray that prayer, there are even more specific prayers that we need to pray together as Christians when it comes to marriage. And so I'm going to just repeat that as well. So let's, let's read Genesis 2, verse 15 to 18. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And many people don't see this as connected to marriage, but right in the next verses, God jumps into the topic of marriage. And I think what he's trying to do here is say that when you want to look at relationships and want to look at marriage, the first thing I need to get into you is, I have a way. And if you don't do it my way, there will be consequences. So he starts off with the tree of knowledge and good and, of good and evil, and he puts a rule out, and he says, this is my intended way. And we looked at a couple of scriptures that even show us that in our marriages, when we do it wrong, there are spiritual consequences. 
if wives are not understanding towards their husbands, understanding towards their wives, God says, then I won't listen to your prayers. And so we do it God's way. That's our first prayer. God, help me to do this thing your way. Then it goes on. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. And I just saw smiles all across the the congregation. And all the men especially said, hallelujah, I was not made to be alone. Uh, Amen. (laughs) There's an amen over there. Okay. I know there's lots of amens and for the women as well. And we looked at the, the concept that even if you are in a perfect relationship with God, God has made it, like with Adam and Eve, Adam walked in the garden with God. He had fellowship with him. But even in that place, God has made something in you still have a desire for companionship. And yes, that can be met through other avenues, through friendships, through the church family. But there is something of the marriage and a husband and wife coming together that has been imparted into our hearts. And it's not a sinful thing. It is a God thing. And so it's up to us to not let the fire of that passion burn outside of the marriage covenant, but wait for it and keep ourselves pure and let that fire burn within the marriage covenant. Okay, and it's a good and a pleasing thing to God when there is intimacy within the marriage covenant. And so our prayer there was, God help me with self-control. And again, I think there's a lot of amens with that. <laughs> Single people as well as married people, we need to say, God, if you've brought this marriage together, then inside of this marriage is where I want to find fulfillment. So help me with self-control. And then finally, the last verse, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. No, I did that. I will make him a helper. And we looked at the role of women specifically, a little bit touched on men, but that women were created to be helpers in the marriage covenant. And that that is not an inferior thing. In fact, God gets called a helper throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father gets called helpers. So it's not inferiority. It is, it is the specific function of the woman within the marriage. And when the man does his part, the woman does their, her part, there is blessing within the marriage. And so the prayer that we prayed is, Lord, without looking to my future spouse to see if they're doing it right, help me to do it right, even when they're not doing it right. Let me fulfill my role, whether that's being a helper or being a leader in the household. Let me do it right and in a godly manner. And so today, I'm literally going to preach, and this is so weird for me when I sat with this. I wanted to go a bit further and preach on some of the other passages, but I'm going to preach about three words tonight. Fit for him. All right, that's it. Fit for him. I'm literally just going to preach about that, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But there is so much for that. I see a few strange faces there coming towards me. But you know, actually in the Bible, when you look at the Bible, every single word was intended by God. It was put there for a purpose and for a reason. And if we dig into it, there is actually so much revelation, not just information, because information is you just read over three words. Revelation is when God gives you insight into some of those words, and he makes you see what he actually meant by it. And so I'm hoping this is a bit of revelation out of three words. So I'm going to look at the fit for him, right? It's quite simple. You'll remember exactly. It's at the end of Genesis 2 verse 18. Now, I want to specifically, before we go any further, look at the word fit. I am Leonard. Those of you who don't know me, I, I <laughs> just realized I never introduced myself. Yanaman, congrats on your baptism today. That's amazing. <laughs> Glad you uh, wish we could make it. But I want to look at the word fit because when it comes to the role of the man and the woman, and I know many people are single here, some people are married, some people might have gone through divorce or gone through separation in their lives, 
But with all of us, we need to have a godly vision for what marriage is because the world is trying to teach you something completely different. And so that word fit speaks about the relationship of a man and a woman. So just before this verse, or before this, it speaks about the woman being the helper. And that is a definition of what the woman is supposed to be. So I just want to explain something. Helper is the woman. The Hebrew word is ezer. That's the woman. And then it says the woman is made to fit, and I'm going to look at that word now, with the man. So you've got a woman, you've got a man, this is not the birds and the bees, you'll follow me here. (laughs) Got a woman and you've got a man, and the perfect way in which they come together is this word called fit. And in Hebrew, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I tried to look this up, it is the word connecto. And so when we want to see God's heart for how a man and a woman is supposed to come together, we look at that specific word. It's, it's one of the things that God has given us. He's saying there needs to be connecto. And that word is made up of two parts. It's a combination of two elements. And it's firstly the word, it's a preposition that means like, so it means the same. But then the second word, neged, can be translated as opposite, corresponding to, or in front of. So you've got to follow me. Are you still with me? I can't make the BA joke yet. It's not going to fly, right? (laughs) It's not going to fly. All the people in social media, listen to me. I'm joking. There's a couple of you trying to find a new crowd. (laughs) But just follow me here. It says, man, woman, connecto. Watching you, connecto. And that word is the way in which a man and a woman comes together is they are to be the same but opposite. That's how it says we actually come together. And So I've got a little thing here. It's an extension cord. Okay. I've never done this with you guys. This is like an illustration. My wife absolutely cringed when I I took this out. She's like, she she said, Leonard, I don't want to be there. Please don't do it. Don't do it. She tried to give me other things to illustrate this. But I think the best way, (laughs) what are you laughing at? Have you got filthy minds, people? (laughs) So the best way to illustrate this word is this, and we're going to get to this because I think there are going to be pieces when we understand this where God is going to cut into our hearts and say, but are you, is this your vision? Is this your vision in the marriage one day to have this connecto? And you'll see that different Bible translations translate it differently because Hebrew is a complex language. It's not like English today. And so there's different, let me quickly read this, this to you before I do this, okay? So like, (laughs) <laughs> the ESV, which I always joke and say that is the translation Jesus read from, it says, Then the Lord God uh, said, It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So it speaks of the relationship. It says, It will be, the woman will be fit for the man. Fit is easy to understand, okay? Then the King James Version makes it a little bit. Uh, difficult to understand. It says, I will make him a help meet for him. Now that word meet is just, it meets your need. Okay, That's what it it actually is in old English. It's a difficult one to understand today. We don't use this type of language today. It's, it meets your need today. The NIV and the NASB says, I will make the man a helper suitable for him. So they will be suited to each other. Okay. Then the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, I will make him a helper as his complement. So they will complement each other. 
So that's the relationship between the man and woman. And the New Living Translation says it quite well. It says, I will make him a helper that is just right for him. So the best way that I can explain this picture, and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts, and I think God is going to come do something, is this, okay? <laughs> so when you look at this, these are two, it's, it's, it is the same thing, right? But it's not. It's the same thing in the sense that both of these things are part of an extension cord, but they've got different purposes. So extension cord, yes, both. If one is cut off, the thing doesn't work. Either one. It's not like one is more important than the other. They've just got different functions, the man and the woman, right? But although they are different, when they come together, right, when they fit, (laughs) this is a bad example because it's one thing. It's not going to do anything now, but pretend it's two leads coming together. When they fit, it makes sense. Are you with me? They they, They do not make sense apart but they are suitable for each other. They are different, the same but different, but when they come together, this is then their purpose gets fulfilled. And that is what God says a man and a woman in the marriage covenant is to be. They are not to be the same. They are to be different, equal in worth, equal, we're going to look at that, in the image of God. But when they come together, there is something beautiful that God says, now it works. And that's why God created the marriage covenant. He says, I want to show you that only together this thing actually makes sense. So, again, we're going to pray three prayers tonight when we look at this fit for him. And we're going to look at three things and then pray three prayers. The first one is the fact that man and woman is supposed to be spiritually fit. And I can't get the Madagascar movie out of my mind spiritually fit, spiritually fit, spiritually, (laughs) those of you who've watched it, I can't get that, I I try to look for a different way to say this, it's like they are spiritually, God God has made man and woman to spiritually fit together, uh, or to be spiritually suitable for each other, that's the first thing we're going to look at, the second thing, and that's where it's going to get a little bit cringy, but I don't think it should, but we have been made, man and woman has been made to biologically fit together or be suited to each other. And then finally, we are going to look at the natural outflow of being biologically put together. We're going to speak about children tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) And I know that 90% of you are not there in your lives, but I still think it's an important thing, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping. So are you ready, you guys? Feels, are you ready? Okay. (laughs) Okay, are you ready? You saying you're ready? Okay, Solana's ready. She's getting married in Feb. <laughs> She's ready. <laughs> Get married first, and then, <laughs> and then children. So just follow me here. <clears throat> I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose you. I know this is a different type. I've never taught like this. You guys know this is a different way of teaching for me, even on a Sunday, but. I'm, I'm actually excited, and I want you to be excited because although you might not be there in your life, I think God wants you to aim for the right thing. He doesn't want to have you uh, the, the wrong vision for coming together one day, and I strongly believe that God is into godly marriages. He's into it. He loves it. In his time, yes, all of those things, 
But when it's a, it's a godly man and a godly woman coming together, there is something of a unity that cannot, be, that cannot be accomplished in any other way. It is God's design for us to have it this way. And so if you're single here, God wants to put a vision in front of you, even if it's for a year or five years or ten years. I think there are wrong ways of thinking that have crept into our mind, and the only way to rectify that is to look at God's design. God's design is seen through Adam and Eve. If you're married here, you are already in a marriage covenant, but I, I know from experience that just because we are in a marriage covenant doesn't mean we're in a perfect marriage covenant. We've always got something better to strive for. We always want to look at God's vision and say, Lord, I want to do it your way. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put God's vision in front of us. And I'm just thinking of there's a scripture where the disciples, where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him about marriage. Lord, can we get divorced? Can we do this? And, and then Jesus gives his answer. God gives the vision for what God sees marriage is as. And he, he quotes Genesis 1 and 2, what we're doing today. And here's the response of the disciples. They say, Lord, isn't it then better not to marry? Because God's standard is really high. And when we see God's standard, it should make us live different now, even if we're not in that covenant yet. And if we are in a covenant, it, it's going to mean that we need to change our ways to please God in the most important relationship, uh, human relationship that you will have on this earth. So the first thing that we learn out of this is that man and woman were created to spiritually fit together. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 27, it explains this so well. It says, so God created man, and when it speaks about man here, it's not speaking male, it's speaking mankind. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So just look at that verse and look at the implication of that verse. God is saying that I will create someone in my image, and although Adam was created in my image, he says, I am going to create Adam and Eve are my image. It's not saying Adam is in my image, Eve is in my image. I think when we look at the scripture, it says, Adam and Eve, they are in my image. You with me? And so as, as a man, I reflect a part of God. And so I know that God is a father. I know that Jesus came to earth as a man. But God even created genders. I don't want to go into dodgy territory. He created genders. So I reflect a part of God. But there is a part of God that a woman reflects on her own. We see Jesus, when he looks over Jerusalem, he says, I want to gather you as a mother in gathers her chicks under her wings. There is this motherliness even. Please, I'm not trying to, to blaspheme here. But there is even that aspect of Jesus and of God where all of it is encompassed in him. And he's saying, when a man and when a woman comes together, there is something of my image that is reflected to the world. And it, it, it sounds mysterious because in, um, I'm, jumping, I'm jumping a little bit there. Um, it, it sounds mysterious. I'm just realizing I, I jumped, I put my notes together wrong. It sounds mysterious, but in Ephesians 5 verse 31 to 32, we see this being made more clear to us. It says the following, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become flesh. So it's speaking of the union between a man and a woman. And then it says this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So even in a man and a woman coming together, it is like the gospel being preached. 
a marriage is like a declaration to the world saying, this is what God is like. This is the way that God loves. When a woman gives herself to a man, she comes under a man, she submits to him. That is the way the church and we as the church are to submit under Christ. When a husband leads in a godly way, that is the way that God leads us, even when we are a bit wonky sometimes. So there is this picture that we see that when a man and a woman comes together, it is like the gospel being proclaimed. It is the image of God. It is a beautiful thing. It is the way that God created it to be. But it's, it honestly is not, it's not easy. <laughs> and it's not supposed to be easy. I remember Mac and Odin, they're not here. I think they're in Kimberley at the moment. Is someone I think they're in Kimberley. Yeah, they're ministering in Kimberley at the moment. Yes. <laughs> it's the place with the hole. That's basically... Dalvin and Estvan come from there. <laughs> now their lives make sense, now that you know. Mm. <laughs> they, they did this, uh, they do marriage preparation. Some of you might have done this course with their marriage preparation. And part of the course, they said that you have to, you do a personality test, like a temperament test. And so they tell you what tree you are. And then some of the people in that temperament said, I'm not a tree, always, like, there's always those people, I don't want to be a tree, don't box me in, and anyway, but you get the different personality types, and then my wife and I, we did this, we did this with them a couple of years ago, when we were uh, trying to get married, not trying to get married, it was easy, <laughs> it was easy to get married, okay, preparing to get married, <laughs> and they, and they, they said this, we looked at the test and the result, you type a lot of things into your computer or into your cell phone and then it sort of spits out the results and it says, you are a pine tree or you are a boxwood or you are a rose, you've got you thorny, you, you like all of those things. And so it spits out these results and my wife and I looked at ours and we like, oh shucks, we're basically exactly the same <laughs> in, our, in our temperament and in, in like some of the things that this test put out. And I remember Mac and Odin standing in front of the course and saying, you will see that the person next to you is very much opposite to you. It's always like this. <laughs> and we're like, oh, Chona. <laughs> and then Mac, as bold as Mac can be, those of you who had coffee with Mac before, he's very bold. He says, I've never seen it working out when the tests are too, too, this, too much the same. <laughs> and Carla and I look at each other and we're like, oh, Chona, that's like... That's a massive problem, but we're just going to ignore them and pretend because we're in love and we want to get married. And <laughs> we've already signed the contract and the venue's been booked. You know, we can't. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's like the same. But the thing is, what I realized is although our tests looked the same, we are so different. So different. You know, the biggest reason we are so different is because I am a man <laughs> and she is a woman. And inherently, we are different. God has made us different. But when we come together, and it's not easy coming together, but together, we portray God better than we do alone. Together, we show a better image of who Jesus is than when we are alone. And much of the world today is telling you, make it as easy as possible. Try and find someone that is like you, as much like you as possible, because that's going to be the easiest. I think God's way is like, no, man and woman are supposed to be different. And even within the partner that you find, there are supposed to be differences that actually sharpen you so that you can show more of me to the world. You are spiritually fit for each other. You will spiritually help each other grow. 
And so when there are differences between you, that is no cause to run. It is cause to, well, sometimes it's cause to run, depending on what those differences are. But mostly it's not cause to run. It is cause to say, God, thank you that the person that you have put next to me, because you have inherently made us different, thank you that you, they are making more, me more like Jesus when I do my part, and I'm making them more like Jesus when they do their part. And when you get married, when the husband is called to lead, you will find that mostly it's a struggle for a husband to lead like Christ does. It's not easy. You either go over the top or you come under. You either you are too pushy and you try and do it your way and you be a dictator, or you come too low and you don't lead your wife into more of God. And God would then want marriages to say, no, I've put you together for a reason. I want you to learn, husband, that you are to lead like I lead and I lead my church forward in love, in grace, and in truth together. That is the way I lead my church. I don't lead, leave my church where they are. And in the same way, for women who are the helpers, who are those that come alongside their husbands, equal but under, there is a lesson to learn that my husband is there to lead me. Even when he doesn't do it perfectly, I have still been put under him to be led by him. And so when I do that, when I learn to do that, I reflect Christ better than I could when I'm on my own. And so for the married people, I want to say submit to the process of God. Give yourself to the process of God. It's not supposed to be easy. You're not always supposed to be on the same page, but when we fight it out in a good way, when we look for intimacy, we become more like Jesus. For the single people, throw away your list. Your list is probably carnal. <laughs> Inherently, we look for the same. We look for what we think we need, but actually, God knows what we need, and many times it's different. It's not what you want many times, it's what you need. And so we need to even throw that away and say, God, thank you that you will give me a person that will make me more like Jesus. It's not going to be comfortable always. Okay. So the prayer that I want us to pray for the married couples, I want us to pray in a moment when we end, we're going to pray, God, help me to be sharpened by my life partner. Let me just read quickly. Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That is nowhere more true than inside the marriage covenant. Nowhere is it more true. And it's supposed to be true. Renus is laughing. Oh, what's wrong with you? Martha is not laughing with you. <laughs> Single people, we need to pray, God, help me find a life partner who will sharpen me. Your biggest prayer is not, God, help me find a life partner that will travel with me, or that's got rich parents, or that's got a pretty mom. <laughs> that's not it. Supposed to be, Lord, give me the person I need to become more like Jesus. Are you with me? The one I need to become more like Jesus. And maybe if you've, if you've gone through a divorce or you're not with someone at the moment, your prayer needs to be, Lord, even if I've not got that, God help me to even be sharpened and become more like you by the people you've put around me. Okay. The second thing, and this is why it might get a little bit awkward, but God has made us to, when we look at that word fit, he's made us to biologically fit together. So, Hold on to your horses. This might be a little bit interesting. It might get a little bit awkward, but I don't want it to. But the world's agenda at the moment is to mess with this. But God's agenda is to say together, a man and a woman who are made to fit together, uh, anatom uh, your anatomy? An 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 anatomically. That's it. I'm Afrikaans, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> if your anatomy has been made to fit together, it is supposed to be a beautiful thing. And the world is attacking this in many ways. Because when it attacks 
man and woman coming together, when it attacks the marriage covenant, it attacks the very image of Jesus and his church. That's what it attacks. So, like, I've thought of this so many times. Are there worse sin than others? And I think in many senses the answer is, Mike, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's here to crit my preach. I'm just joking. Not really. (laughs) Yes, he is. I'm not joking. (laughs) But, see, now I've lost my train of thought because you've made me nervous now. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so what the world tries to do actually is it tries to corrupt the image of, of that. So, okay, right your sins. Okay, that's where I was. Okay, I've, I've got it back. Are some sins worse than others? And so the answer is no and yes. I'd say no because all sin can be washed clean by the blood of Jesus, right? There is no sin too big for the blood of Jesus to wash us clean, make us white as snow. So no in that sense. But there are other scriptures that say some sin actually leads us to death. And I think, and this is me, this is not the Lord, I think when I look at the scripture as I understand it, I think it is a worse sin when we mess with the prophetic image that God has put on the earth to say this is what my relationship is like with Jesus, with the church, Jesus' relationship with the church. And so anything where it messes with the picture of marriage, whether that is adultery, whether it is divorce, whether it is pornography, Whatever it may be, I think that is a step up in God's book because I think you are messing up the image that God created for the world to see what he's like. And so God doesn't like it. He actually doesn't like it. And so the world is attacking it. And if you wonder why there's always things in this world that attacks the image of marriage, whether it is divorce, whether it is homosexuality, which is really being driven down our throats, it is because Satan is not for marriage. He does not want godly marriages. I, I found this quote, Ursh, uh, Ur, Urvashi Vaid. Uh, it's, it's someone that works in, in media, quite a big name in media. It says, we have an agenda to create a society, this is specifically what the devil is doing now, in which homosexuality is regarded as healthy, natural, and normal. Can I say homosexuality is not healthy? Especially sodomy between a man and a woman, it is not healthy. There are dangerous things that happen to your body. It is sick and it it can make you sick, actually. It is not that. But that is, it's, he says, this is the agenda. To me, that is the most important agenda item. Satan will work through people to normalize things that break down the image of a man and a woman coming lifelong together in covenant. He's going to try and break that down. But what God wants to do is he wants to restore that to us and say to us, no, I'm not going to do that because now it's going to be really awkward. But a man and a woman have been made to fit together, and when they come together, there is a sense of euphoria even that comes. This is, this is something. <laughs> it's euphoria. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this so bluntly, but sex is nice. <laughs> okay. Any awkward people here now? Anyone's a little bit awkward? None of you, okay. It's supposed to be good, but it is supposed to be good because God designed it to be good. The world perverts it. The world wants the pleasure of it without the commitment of it, but God wants commitment and pleasure together, and that is a, a God thing. God made sex to be nice. He made it that way. And so it, it feels so awkward to speak about it in church. My wife cringed so much, but actually, I'm like, I don't get why it's awkward. God has created a man and a woman to, get, to come together. He has made it that it will be pleasurable to come together. 
And if a husband and a wife, if marriage is an image of Jesus and his church, then surely the act of coming together is a picture of the intimacy when we come into right relationship with God. It is very nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is very nice. I'm going to throw Carla under the boat. She's like, now people are going to know we do it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, the other reason you guys know we do it is called Lenka, Clara, and Ali. I mean, it's quite, it's quite obvious, right? <laughs> so it's supposed to be beautiful. I, I felt like, oh, this is just going to sound like this is Leonard trying to do it, be funny. I'm not. I'm trying to show you a Bible and a God thing here. And so I, I thought the most credible source I can quote is John Piper. <clears throat> he says, when a couple loves each other and brings that love to climax in sexual consummation and lie there still restful, thankful at the end, their hearts should be brimming with how wonderful Jesus Christ is that he would give them such pleasures and that he would show them in those pleasures what he is like and how precious is the church's relationship to her husband. It's supposed to be the most beautiful thing that we do and it is supposed to be a form of worship. When we experience that earthly pleasure, we are supposed to say to God, Lord, thank you that in my union with you, this is just a glimpse of what I will experience when I know you fully, even as I am known. It is a proclamation of the gospel. That's why the Bible teaches us, we might look at this next week, that a husband and wife, as a form of spiritual warfare, is not to withhold from one another, except for prayer for a time. We're not to withhold because it is a form of, of, of spiritual warfare. When we come together, we help each other even in our needs, but we are worshiping God even through that very act. And so the world makes it sinful. The world makes it a fling. The world pushes it down your throat as something for outside of marriage. But I want to say, when you see the beauty of it, and you know that that beauty is only within covenant, we are in covenant with Jesus. It's not a fling with him. We don't have it with different gods. He doesn't, he doesn't throw us away and go to a different people. It is, mut it, it is, um, it is together in a, in a lifelong covenant with God. That is what it's supposed to be. Then we are, even you guys as single people are to say, Lord, I will withhold myself and stay here because I want to experience it the way you want it to be experienced. I want it to be seen as worship because we are physically fit for each other. And then the final thing that I want to look at is actually the natural outflow of that coming together is actually to have children. I forgot to look this up, but the... the um, the pull, what do you call it? The pull that people, the, the contraception pull is not really so old. I think if I had to go look at it, I think it's like 100, maybe it's not even 100 years old. Before that, people had many more children. And I think we live in a world that has really influenced our thinking when it comes to having children. And I think in a negative way. And many of the things even how we think of children as Christians, I think is actually the world that is dug into our minds. Because the world says the children are inconvenient, therefore abort. Abortion rates are through the roof throughout the world. It is the murder of innocent children. But the world's agenda is they are an inconvenience to you. 
And because we live in this world, we are silly to think that that thinking does not get into our minds in some way that we see children as an inconvenience. But God has a totally different say on it. And we use Christian language to, to hide it, like, ah, oh, we'll have children one day if God wants. But it's so difficult. We say those things, but the Bible teaches us that everything we say is an overflow of our heart. So the bigger question is, what is really happening in your heart when you say that? What is really happening? Like the world has that view of it, of children, but the Bible has a totally different view. Genesis 1 verse uh, 27 verse 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God, say that with me, blessed them. God blessed them. This is the blessing of God. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God's blessing upon us is so that children would come from us. But it's God's blessing. The world says it's not a blessing. It's an inconvenience. The child-free movement is growing so rapidly. There's a difference between being childless and being child-free. Child-free is when I choose it because my life is more convenient without children. We'll look at that. There is biblical precedent for it, but not like the world is preaching it. Um, God has created it that way. A woman ovulates and menstruates every month as the voice of God in nature, saying that is the way that it's supposed to be. Your body proclaims that it's the way it's supposed to be. They are a blessing of God. Psalm 127 verse 3 to 5 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb as a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So the Bible's pronunciation of children is that they are a blessing from the Lord. Throughout the Bible, when you go read, you'll see that women who struggle to have children, which is a totally different thing than choosing not to have children, is seen as, uh, as God's judgment upon someone and closing their womb. That is the Bible language throughout. But our language is, I will have children as late as possible so that I can enjoy my life now as much as possible. Like, I, I, I know, because we've had these conversations, it's come into us as well, but I don't think it's God's way. I want to show you that I think there is merit for us to say we will wait to have children, but I think the only merit that I see scripturally is when that is done to be more effective for the kingdom of God. And we can use that as an excuse, but we need to really check our hearts to say, is that the, the truth? So I want to show you, I don't even know if I have to show you this, but I'm, I'm quickly going to show you that and then we're going to end. But <clears throat> we, we know that God created man and woman to be together. Right? We saw that in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It's not good for man to be alone. In Genesis 2, sorry. It's not good for man to be alone. That is God's word. It's not good to be alone. Then Paul comes and in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as I, am, I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. What he's basically saying there is, I wish that everyone was single. But when he continues to say that, so he's actually, in a sense, going against what God said. God says, no, I don't want you to be single. I want you to be with someone. Paul comes and he says, but I want everyone to be single if that is going to cause them, when you read later, to be more effective for the kingdom of God. If singleness is going to give them more freedom to be effective for God. So likewise, with children, God's pronunciation is children are a blessing from God. 
And when we plan how many children we have or say that I won't have children, the only valid reason, I believe, is to say, Lord, only I will limit it only so that I can be more effective for you in your kingdom. That is, I think, the only reason we actually are to do it. Unless there are serious, and that might fall into finances, which is valid. It might fall into not being mature enough to do it, which could be valid, but you really need to bring it before the Lord and say, God, is my heart pure in the reason I don't want it? Everything in us says, I don't want suffering. The Bible says, suffering will produce character in us. The Bible is full of it. Suffering is like the taste of the Lord that will bring the impurities out of you and make you more like Jesus again. And so in ourselves, we are like, ah, I don't want the suffering. The Bible says suffering is actually a good thing. And let me tell you, when you have children, man, it sometimes is suffering. <laughs> it is suffering. It's beautiful, but man, it's difficult. Don't get me wrong. It is extremely difficult. But that is not supposed to stop us. It is the natural outflow of our bodies even, and a husband and a wife coming together. So I'm going to end there. went a little bit over time. But I want us to pray this. Those with children, I think we need to pray, and, and I need to pray this. God, help me see my children as blessings from you that are making me more like you. <laughs> because it's frustrating sometimes. For those without children, I want you to pray a dangerous prayer today and actually allow God to come look into your heart. That one day when you get there, that you will not only not have children because it's the selfish thing to do and you want to preserve your life, but that you would say, God, help me to see children as a blessing from you, given in the right time. So let's stand wherever you are. Let's stand. So I'm just going to ask, uh, just for a couple of moments, that wherever we are, will you just for a moment, just, just close your eyes. So first of all, I think it was a brilliant word that Leonard uh, just preached with us. And I must say, for me as a parent and as someone who's married, um, since last week, it's been really, really challenging to just listen to these prayers and to consider my own life and my own marriage and my own child um, and to say, what is God actually saying to me? And how should I be responding to this? Because I think... We can fall into a trap of just hearing these words or we're just going through a series, but nothing in us is actually changing because we're not uh, choosing to take those steps of obedience. Uh, but I really felt while Leonard was, uh, was talking that there's a, almost like a perspective, a change of perspective that God would want to bring. I felt like there are some of us here where we either have been through our own families and we've experienced hurt, we've experienced uh, bad examples of what a marriage actually is. Um, you know, and uh, b yeah, because of that, we actually decided, you know what, if this is what marriage is, then I don't actually want to take this offer up. You know, regardless of what God would say, regardless of what the Bible would say, but if this is what marriage is, then I don't want it. So I really felt two things. I felt like God wants to change perspectives. Um, and then in that, I felt like God actually wants to heal and that he wants to come and to restore. Um, so I'm just going to ask um, just uh, Nikki or someone just on, on keys, please, while, while we're doing this. So we're just going to go through just a, a couple of moments of ministry and just really um, trust that God would come 
um, and that he would just uh, come and heal and would come and restore. And I know that these things are not, you know, always easy or, or fun and it's, it's uncomfortable. So that's why I'm going to ask. Can we just, all of us, just close, close our eyes. We don't want to put anyone on the spot or anything like that. So maybe, maybe that is you. Uh, maybe you're standing here right now and you're saying, you know what, because of what I've seen, it might be in your own family or it might be in the world or wherever it is, and that you've, you've gotten hurt for some reason or another, and that you've decided in your heart, like very hard, that you've drawn very like thick lines to say, you know what, I never want to get married, like if this was marriage is. Um, and I just feel like the Lord would just want to come and challenge that perspective and, and that place of hurt that He would come right now, that the Holy Spirit would come and heal it. So I'm going to ask right now that uh, if this is you, okay, I'm going I'm to give us a couple of moments. I don't want to rush through this. But I'm going to ask if it is you that you're standing right here right now and you, you know that you know that you know that you know that you've adopted this perspective that is not godly. You've actually made your own decision without considering what, what God's plan is for your life. And maybe you in that, you know, think that you, that you are hurt. You know, that there's real pain that you've experienced. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to come and to come and heal that and to come and restore that, to come and give you new filters of what an actually, like a godly marriage actually is. So I'm going to ask if that is you tonight, that you're saying, Godfrey, would you please pray with me that God would heal that He would restore and that He would change my perspective, that I will see this marriage thing anew, that it is a picture of Jesus and His bride. I'm going to ask that wherever you are right now, would you just be so bold? I know this is very difficult. I know it's extremely, extremely difficult, and I want to put anyone on the spot, but will you, will you kindly just, uh, just raise your hand up so that we may just know who are we praying with. So just, just hold your hands right there. I want to say for those of you who are holding your hands up, you're not alone. There are a couple of hands actually in this room right now. So as we continue to just close our eyes, just I know there's more people in here. I know there are more people. Or maybe you're even in a space where you're like, you know, because of your own plans. You know, you have a plan. You have a five-year plan, you know, like in your head, you know, to say that, you know, I, this is how I'm going to approach this thing. This is how I'm going to do it. I feel like the Lord wants to come and challenge all of those perspectives that are not from Him. The perspectives that are not birthed, you know, out of Him. So if this is you, just, just raise your hand up right now. There are a couple of hands that are, that are raised up. So I'm going to ask that just some of our leaders, uh, not everyone, just some of our leaders will please just, just look around the room. And would you just uh, kindly just stand next to someone, just put your hand on them. Okay, and I'm going to challenge the rest of us, just close, close your eyes. We don't want to put anyone on the spot. Just, just come around those people. Let's trust with them that God would come and that He would heal and that He would restore and that he would, give, uh, he would give a fresh new perspective of what this actually looks like. I don't know, can we just get the, the keyboard just up a bit, please? Okay, so let's just, uh, I think for the rest of us that are standing right there, can you maybe not just stand idle? Um, can you just, uh, in a sense, go into intercession mode? You know, that even right now, that first of all, you would pray for yourself, that God would help you to see this thing rightly. And second of all, that we would pray for our brothers and sisters who have been through stuff, that God would just, in this time right now, would come and heal and would come and restore them. So wherever you're standing right now, just, uh, just begin to pray. 
Okay, just begin to pray. Firstly, for your own heart and for yourself to say, God, would you come and give me perspectives, glasses of how I need to see this thing? And then second of all, would you pray just for fellow brothers and sisters who've been through stuff to say, God, would you come and would you heal? I know that God is, is touching is touching wounds. I can see it right now. And we trust that healing would come and that restoration would come. That refreshing would come. So, Father, we thank you that you say that you are the one who healed broken hearts, God. We thank you that you say that you are acquainted, Lord God, with all our suffering, that you are acquainted, Lord God, with our brokenheartedness. And I thank you that you say that you are actually close to those who are brokenhearted. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, would you come, Lord, by your spirit, would you come and heal every wound right now, Father. Lord, you know every single one of us, God, that raised our hands right now, God. You know the hurts, God. You know the circumstances that we've been through. You know, Lord God, our history, Father. You were there, Father. You know every single story, Father, that's represented right now. And I pray, Father, would you supernaturally, Father, just come and would you heal, Father, and would you restore in the name of Jesus, God. We thank you that your word says that you are Jehovah. Rafa, Lord God, you are our healer. I pray, would you come, Lord God, as the word says that you are the balm of Gilead. The, Lord, you come and then you put ointment, Lord God, on those areas of our lives that are hurt. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you begin to touch those wounds, God? I pray, would you come and would you restore, God? I pray, would you come and would you, would you just lay, Father, just your hand, Lord God, on those wounds and would you heal them, God? We pray right now, Father, as your word says that in your presence, Father, there are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there is joy. I pray even right now, would you begin just to restore joy, God, in the name of Jesus. Would you restore joy in the name of Jesus? And Father, we pray, would you give new perspective, God? We pray for new glasses, God. We pray that, Lord God, the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened, God, to see marriage, Lord God, in, in the way that you would want us to see it, God. So we pray right now, would you give us fresh new perspective, God? I pray, would you give us fresh new eyes, God, to see, Lord God, this thing, to filter in the right way, God, through your word, God. So, Lord God, we surrender our perspectives right now. We surrender our own plans. We surrender, Lord God, our own ideas. And we pray, Father, would you come and impart, Lord God, just your heart, God. Would you come and impart your perspective in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to ask Godfrey to keep praying for us if that's fine. But just really felt like there are some people that when we speak of this, there is a, it's, you maybe don't verbalize it, but there's a fear in you because the example that you've seen has not been a healthy one. And you feel like you will end up like your parents or like family members. And God, I believe, wants to say to you, but this is a new thing that I'm doing in you. It's a new thing. I'm giving you a new vision. I'm showing you what I want for this. Not what you've seen from your family, but uh, I feel like God wants to restore this to you. So if you've gotten hurt in this area, or you've seen an unhealthy marriage, and there's a fear that's crept into you, I'm just going to ask God for you to keep praying for us, even for that. Just as, uh, just as we were closing this um, as we were praying this evening, I had a scripture, I felt the Lord remind me of something, and um, it's maybe for those that are here, uh, that you've come, a bit like me, I've come from a family where my parents were kind of nominal Christians, and have experienced um, a family line that hasn't served God at all, um, and I felt like the Lord was wanting to raise up 
uh, godly couples here in the years to come that are going to bring a whole new family line, that you're going to bring, um, and there's a scripture in, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, how I, the Lord your God, am the jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And, and I know some of us come from lines of maybe family of broken families that have repeatedly made bad mistakes, bad choices, that have gone their own way, maybe have even been religious, that have used the name of the Lord, but have actually gone their own way. And the family line has experienced the, almost the curses of that. But verse 10 says, but showing I'm the Lord, showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And there's a new, there's generations of those that God wants to raise up. their children upon children, uh, fathers, mothers, friends that would experience the blessing of God, even through godly marriages that would come. So I just feel like tonight God wants to do something new. Maybe even through you, maybe even through one day something that will happen through you, that He's going to do something new through you and through your marriage. Yeah, Father, so we just want to pray into those things, God. We pray, would you come and do that new thing, God? Lord, we thank you, Father, that nothing is impossible to you, God. We thank you, Father, that regardless, Lord God, of Lord, the fears that are in our hearts, God, regardless, Lord Jesus, of how sometimes we think, how is this going to be possible that I, Lord, begin completely something new and that you would do something new in our lives, God. Lord, we know, God, that you are able to do this, God. So right now, Father, we pray and we contend for that. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God, would you do a new thing, Lord God, in us, God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, would you begin, Father, just new bloodlines, God. We thank you, Father, that your word says in Galatians 2 verse 20 that we have been crucified with Christ. That it's no longer us who live, but Christ who live in us. And that the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who died for us, who gave himself for us, God. We thank you, Father, that it's through the blood of Jesus, Father, that we can, Lord God, see new things begin to happen, Lord God. So I pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you begin to rewrite stories, God. I pray would you begin, Lord God, to write new stories completely, Father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that past books, Lord God, and pages, Lord God, will be burned, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Father. And would you begin, Father, to just do something new, something fresh, God, something that people will see, that generations will see, Father, that it's a representation of Jesus. Jesus and who Jesus is, God. So we pray right now, God, we contend for that, Father, because we know sometimes there's spiritual hold, actually, Father. Spiritual, Lord God, just holds, Lord God, that holds us, Father, from, Lord God, just reaching out to the image, Lord God, that you have for us, God, the new life that you have for us. So right now, Father, we contend for that, and we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, would you rebuke the enemy, Lord God. Father, where there are strongholds, God, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, would you begin to come against those things, God, Lord, things that are unseen things that we don't know God things that we don't have authority Lord God even to break down we pray Father would you come and would you break down altars God would you come and break down strongholds God in the name of Jesus Lord God we pray Father and will your blood Father begin to wash through Lord God anything Father in us Lord God that doesn't look like you Father we pray this in the name of Jesus we contend for that so can we just for a couple of moments just let, let us pray and contend wherever you are right now it's, it's not a time, you know, to kind of like just sit back. Let's just contend, okay, for your own marriage one day. Even if you're a single right now, for your own marriage one day, just say, God, I desire that my marriage will be godly. I desire that my marriage will be a representation, an image of Jesus and His bride.
Yeah, I just also want to lead us in a couple of prayers. So like wherever you are, I think this is ending a little bit different, but let's, I think this is part of church. We, we know worship, we know listening to a preach, but praying together is a muscle that we also need to exercise. So I specifically want to ask, I'm going to go through just some of the points that I mentioned and, and actually let us pray together. And I want to start with the married people. I know we're getting more and more married people here. But I just want us to pray together, and I'm going to pray, and if you can just agree with me some of these points, wherever you are, even if you can stand with your wife and husband, if it's possible, I don't know if it's possible, uh, but let's just pray this. Lord, firstly, I want to pray for the married people, Lord, that there would be a perspective change. Wherever, if you see married people around you, let's just stretch out, out our hands to them even. A perspective change, Lord, I pray for the husbands, Lord, that you would lead them to a place of leading in the way that you have called them to lead, Lord with grace and with truth, God. I pray that you would show them the sacrificial love of Jesus, the sacrificial leadership of Jesus, and that you would strengthen them to lead their wives in the way that you want. Lord, I pray for the wives who are here, God. I pray that you would help them to be helpers to their husbands in the way that you are a helper to us even, that they would strengthen their husbands, come alongside them, come under them, and really blow wind into their sails, God. I pray for that. I pray for sharpening to take place amongst them, Lord. Lord, I want to pray also just for the intimacy between husbands and wives, Lord. May it be seen as an act of spiritual warfare, Lord. I pray for healthy sex lives, actually, Lord, that you would come into those areas, Lord, and let it be a form of worship. Let them come together as a form of worship, Lord. And maybe pray for the single people. So if you yeah, and you want to just even reach out your hands and pray with me, you're welcome to do that. Lord, I want to pray for all the single people, Lord, that they would find the right partner destined for them, Lord, in the right time, Lord. I pray that they would not look for someone that's going to be the easiest, Lord, but I pray that they would find someone that will help them become more like Jesus, Lord. I pray that there would be something that shifts in us to say, Lord, I want to be more like you. Give me the right person that's going to be make me more like Jesus. Just pray for that. Wherever you are, just you pray that to God as well. We should pray for these things. God actually says we are to pray for it. Be specific. Say, Lord, I throw away my list, Lord, and I say, whoever you want for me, in the time that you want that person for me, Lord, whether it's now or whether it's later, in your time I want that, Lord. Thank you, God. And then, Lord, I want to pray for the single people, Lord, where intimacy, physical intimacy is a good thing, Lord. I pray that where that thing is not for now, that you would help them to keep themselves, Lord. Keep themselves for the covenant that they will find themselves in one day. Keep them, Lord. Keep them, God. I know not everyone is included. There might be those who don't have a desire for marriage, and that be might, might be from God. And I want to pray that if that's you, that God would help you to find that form of intimacy even without, in the church, that you would find it there. And Lord, then just finally, I also want to pray for us, Lord, where I want to come in repentance with regards to children, Lord. If anything in us, Lord, does not see children as a blessing from you, Lord, I'm not saying it has to happen now, but if anything in us sides with the world and sees children as a nuisance, something we don't want to bother us, it's going gonna, it's gonna to interfere with our lives, Lord, we repent and we say thank you for the blessing that is from you. Lord, I pray for when couples come together, that in your time, in the right time, that you would bring children who will be raised up as warriors for your kingdom, Lord. I pray for children who will be disciples of you, new lines, as Mike said, 
new lineage to be started, Lord, new family lines, Lord, a line to be drawn in the sand, children to be born into new households to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Pray that children would be born, Lord, as those who actually make a difference in this world, that don't take from it, but actually give to it, Lord. Make a difference in this world for you and for your kingdom. Help us to see children as a blessing from you, God. We praise you, Lord. So we, we're not going to try to end it off with worship to sweeten it or anything like that. I actually feel like, you know, I just want to leave it like this, that the Holy Spirit would just, yeah, just really minister deeply and that we would, um, in a sense, just lean into those parts of us that are hurting. Like it just even right now, just I can really feel like God is really touching on many, many hearts. Um, and I really trust that the Holy Spirit, even this week, would come and that He will just continue to restore, continue to heal. Uh, so we're going to land it here. We're going to have some coffee. And if you need some prayer or anything like that, we'll, some of us will just be here up front. And we'll, yeah, we'll be more than, more than glad to just pray for specific things or specific prayers, whatever it is. Um, really just want to create a safe space uh, to do that. But for the rest of us, visitors, please fill out the forms at the back. Make sure that you please get a hot chocolate. Uh, let's just uh, get together, fellowship, drink coffees together, go and do something in town, whatever it is and just enjoy each other's presence in Jesus name. Amen.